I get a lot of questions from girls when they are like, okay, I'm dating this guy. He's saying that he doesn't want to do anything serious. He doesn't want anything serious. But like, I think that he does. He's just not ready. He's not willing to commit. What do you think about guys who are not willing to commit? Is that something that that girl can change? For a guy, when you're ready, you know, and everything changes. For the women that think that they're going to change a guy, I think it's an extremely difficult uphill battle. You'll know when a guy is like there with you, when you're in sync with them, you know, and, and guys know, and guys know when they're, they're ready. everyone and welcome back to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. I'm your host Coco aka Cornelia Slinsky and in today's episode you're gonna hear a conversation between me and Richard Chang. Richard is a friend of mine from New York and he recently was a star at a reality tv show called Bling Empire on Netflix in which he appeared with his girlfriend Vika. But what we focused on this conversation was dating because that's what you guys want. You guys love the dating conversations. Richard, as he said himself, has a lot of experience in dating. Some may even characterize him as a fuck boy, but when he met his girlfriend, he just knew she was the one. So in this episode, we go deep when it comes to understanding the male brain. And he explained why men are pretty much afraid of commitment. Before we get into the episode, I'm going to read a review that I recently got on Apple. And please, guys, leave our five-star rating and review. It helps the show grow more than you can possibly imagine. And they make me so happy. And I try to read a review every episode because they're just so cute. Okay, this one is from Maria, your Maria, July. Oops, doesn't matter when. <laughs> okay, it goes like this. Just hooked, five stars. Coco's podcast is like that show on Netflix you got obsessed with and then it's over and you have to wait for season two, LOL, every Monday. I'm so happy I came across this. Thanks to her, Cornelia, I have been introduced to so many inspiring females, so many inspiring stories and small businesses. Love, love, love. Oh, this is, this is, I love this review. I think this just like, I love what she said. <laughs> it's like, that show on Netflix, you got obsessed with, and then it's over, you have to wait for season two. And it's so funny that Richard actually is on a show on Netflix. This was not um, planned. Anyway, let's get into the episode. And yes, please leave a five-star rating and review and subscribe to the show. Alrighty, let's jump in. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Richard, welcome to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I have to say what you just told me right as I clicked record, you were like, please don't ask me to stand up because I'm not wearing any pants. So thank you yeah. for sharing that. It's uh, something I picked up in the pandemic. And uh, I'm proud to say I have not changed uh, that, <laughs> that <true>. specific practice. 
I love that. Okay, well, let's talk about you a little bit. Okay, where did you grow up? Give me a little background. You know the basics. Sure.、Uh, my name is Richard. I grew up in New York City. I was born and raised.、Uh, I like to call myself a super local because、mm-hmm. I was born in the city, grew up in Queens, went to high school in the Bronx, and then while I could have went anywhere, I went to NYU. <laughs> and so、uh, I'm I'm pretty、you、much as local <laughs> as you can possibly be. I do try to get out as much as I can, but、uh, New York is is my my first, probably my second love. I was about to say we actually met in New York. I don't even know how many years that. Was ago three four years ago、yes. definitely pre pandemic so maybe even more maybe four or five you are in a happy relationship now but at that time you were single and I would love to hear a little bit about your New York dating experience and how was that for you wow well that's a that's a loaded question I have a bit of a colorful history、uh, and I'll just preface that by saying as graphic as you'd like to be we are sure 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 <laughs> I know this is the this is the content that we're looking for so <laughs> when you grow up in New York City options are are never you're never short of options okay、mm-hmm. so if you put yourself out there and you're open to meeting people you're gonna meet a lot of people so I'll start by saying that. Mm-hmm. Me personally,、um, I am. I was a bit of a late blossomer.、Um, while I was always tall, I, the confidence didn't really come till later in life.、Um, I was kind of buried in books, buried with friends and family, and I didn't realize until I would say later in life that hey, women might actually find me attractive. <laughs> and so, quite frankly, when when I realized that hey, this is not as intimidating as I had always thought it would be. Um, it probably really, probably、uh, overswung the pendulum a little in the other direction. How old were you when you realized that you're good looking? <laughs> probably my mid twenties. It's it's not just the looks; it's just like having the confidence to say, "Hey, look, like I am who I am. I'm gonna put myself out there. People like me or don't like me. I'm just gonna have fun with it." And I think when I came to that realization in my mid twenties. That became、uh, definitely went up my priority list way higher than it was prior to that. You mean dating went up to on your priority dating, list?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then、okay. it also happened at the same time when you know I'm I'm、uh, I guess dating myself, but、uh, the dating apps in New York started to really explode, and it was Tinder. Okay, I I you know I have a good story. So basically, I, I met up with two friends who shall remain unnamed, but <laughs> I remember we were all three of us were just post breakup, and we meet up at the bar, and we're literally two. Three dudes, you know, shoulder slumped, really sappy, and just kind of like <laughs> trying to bro therapize ourselves out of sadness、mm-hmm. and desperation and being alone. And I remember what was interesting was the two other friends. One was like, you know what? I'm actually pretty good. I'm about a month and a half out from my long term relationship, and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of getting back out there. I'm I'm on these online dating apps. Um, I don't even think he called it an app. I think he called it just online dating. So at the time, you're thinking、mm-hmm. like Match.com or whatever it is. E-Harmony.、And、I feel E-Harmony. like a lot of people still use those like OG hey, dating no, apps. OG、yeah. dating apps. Hey, they work. A lot of people. So he was like, "Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm back out there. I feel pretty good. Like, I want a couple dates." The other guy was like, "Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna try. I have my first date next week." And both of them are like, "Yeah, it's because of Tinder." And I had just broken up, and I was like, "What the heck is Tinder?" And then that moment was literally like a, a nexus point for me to, <laughs> to open the doors, open the <laughs> the doors, the floodgates of of dating, and then th- that whole like you know learning to date when you meet someone at a cafe, at a birthday party, at 
an event is very different than doing it digitally. I would say it's like a second education how to navigate that world. Um, and then for years, I just was, when I wasn't in a relationship, really, really dating a lot, if you will. Mm. I, you know, my family comes from a lot of my people, a lot of my family members are, are divorced. Mm-hmm. And so I just had this theory that, you know, I still want to get married. I still want to build a family. But I have a personal theory that a lot of people get divorces because they frankly don't date as much uh, as they I should. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. I think people like are too anxious to settle down. People are too anxious to, they're, they're anxious because like, what, what if I don't find something better? And so they don't do enough market research, if you will, to understand what they truly need and want. I think like we all set out, we watch movies, we hear what other people want. We, we have this idea of what would make us happy. For me personally, I learn by doing. And mm-hmm. I think years later now I'm in a healthy relationship. I think a lot of the health of my current relationship is because I really honed in on what matters to me, not just like what I like or what's cool. I totally agree, especially women when they're approaching 30. I feel like I mentioned this in every single episode. It's like as soon as you're close to 30, you are like, okay, this guy I'm with right now, I already invested two, three years, so I'm just going to get married now because I don't you know what else is out there you don't really know. Yeah. I want to talk about your uh, dating app experience and actually what would make you swipe? Is it right? I think right is the, the good one. I haven't really used apps much as you can probably tell. So like what would make you swipe right? I'd be lying and everyone would be lying if physical attraction wasn't That's uh, number a, a one, factor. That's mm-hmm. definitely, you're on an app, you only have a limited amount of data and probably the, the most prominent data source is the physicality, right? But, you know, beyond physicality, it's, it's for me, like, I love a kind smile. I like seeing kindness. Um, I like seeing diversity. Uh, you know, I, you know, I think I live a life that's, you know, as a New Yorker, that's very colorful, meaning I do a lot of different things. I have many hobbies. I have hang out with people from all different walks of life. And I think, you know, I, I have don't need- to, I have to just say that that is a hundred percent correct because when yeah. I was living in New York and we were hanging out, you would always do these like interesting things. It would not just like be, oh, let's meet up at a bar. Let's meet up. Like you always had something interesting yeah. going on. And I love that. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I'm glad you got to be part of some of that, you know, um, and, and hope there's many more to come whenever you're visiting. But yeah, I mean, you live in New York city, you got like, you have access to literally anything that you want to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you don't do it, there's all these people that come to New York, they just literally wake up, go to work, go to the gym, eat dinner, go to bed. That's just not the life that I've signed up for. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, going back to your question, I think in terms of finding a partner, like I'd like to see some sense of a person that has that same thirst for life, um, same thirst for experience, same thirst for connection, you know. Do you remember any of those dates back then that was such a horrible experience? And I, I, I'm sorry for asking like that right away, but my listeners are mostly female, pretty yeah. much like 90%. And I just want to help women understand what not to do when they're dating. If you can remember even the tiniest detail, like whatever you remember that somebody did, maybe it's not even conscious, but it was just an automatic turnoff. Hmm. Okay. That's a good question. Thank you. For... <laughs> For me personally, I think, and, and this is this is hard to do, right? I think it's so generic, but I would just love someone to like not put up walls and just be themselves. I know it's such a generic thing to say, but like I personally would love to just like get to it and be like, who are you? Like, what are you about? Like, what makes you tick? What, what do you care about? I think like for the people that we've 
been able to like get there relatively quickly, those are the, usually the dates that I have historically said, wow, that connection. You know, you've probably felt it, you know. Mm-hmm. There are those dates where you get out there and it's just like an interview. It's like, what do you do? Um, where are you mm-hmm. from? Um, you know, what's work like? Um, mm-hmm. What do you do in your spare time? And then there's those dates where you're literally like one hour in. You're talking about life and what you want out of life. And again, it takes confidence. It takes comfortability with with the person on the other end of the table. Uh, in terms of turnoffs, uh, you know, I don't have many. I think people are different. I think. Uh, I mean, like, let's say, okay, yeah, go for bad, it. Give me an bad, example. Bad nails. I, I okay. cannot. If a woman has bad <laughs> nails, and I'm, and, and I don't mean, and I don't mean that you have to have like manicured nails or yeah. whatever. I just, if you don't want to do your nails, just have them clean and cut. You know, when okay. a girl has that little smudge in the middle of her <laughs> nail because she didn't have like. A nail polish remover. I just don't understand. How can you walk around like okay. that? So then, so then I, I, I lie if I say that I wasn't like a visual person. If you know anything about me, like I think mm-hmm. like I love art. I love thing. I love presentation. I love things that are experiential. It's same thing applies when I meet people. I think when people know how to put themselves together, I don't mean getting all dolled up. I just means like they put yeah. effort in, in presenting themselves, whatever way they want to do it. Um, I think it, it means a lot. I think if you show up disheveled, if you show up like you don't care, it, it's a metaphor for everything else. You know what I mean? Like you're going to meet someone new. You want to put your best foot forward. Um, I do think that you have to show up. Same thing for guys. I, I hear all the time from my girlfriends, by the way, like I'm mostly close to most, most of my best friends are women. And some of their guys that show up just kind of like, <laughs> like yeah. schlubbing onto dates. Uh, that's also on the flip side, not okay. So Physically, I think, you know, put yourself together. I'm not too demanding that. I think there's other traits that I care about, like treating staff, people that don't have respect for staff. I think that's mm-hmm. like a major no-no. I'm not a smoker, so I don't love smoking. I, don't, I think vaping looks kind of silly, but I know a lot of people do it. Uh, I stopped vaping person. because I realized that it's just, it's not cool. And I didn't realize how bad it actually is for you. And you are in the health space so you probably know even more than me but yeah it's, it's too it's easy not a vibe. it's too easy you know just pop that little thing in your mouth and then all of a sudden you're smoking the equivalent of multiple packs of cigarettes so anyway okay. not the point of our conversation <laughs> <laughs> i had this video two years ago that blew up and it was about me saying something about coffee dates what's your opinion on coffee dates I saw those videos. I saw mm-hmm. multiple iterations. I get your argument. I get your argument. I think uh, it makes sense, definitely from the female side. For me, and I'm going to get killed for this, for <laughs> me, it was quite honestly out of convenience. And you were absolutely right in your video. Uh, I think at the time, I was like, well, fuck, I got to get out there. I got to find my one, but I don't have a lot of time, but I still want to do all my hobbies. So you're right. You know, I think at some point I was like, let's just pack it in. Yeah. Um, and, and quite frankly, if any guy is, is saying that that's not the reason, I think they're kind of lying because if, if you and I like were talking on an app or texting or FaceTime or whatever it is, and we had a connection, I probably wouldn't suggest coffee. Mm-hmm. You know, I think from a, from a New Yorker standpoint, this is like quintessentially a New Yorker thing. So I'm going to give New Yorkers a little bit of, a little bit of forgiveness in this because you're right. I, I agree with you. People are really, really, really busy. And men and women, like sometimes you're like, let's go on a date. And it's like, all right, are you busy in June? And and you were in like April now. You know what I mean? So I will say that we're very busy. But 
when I, most of the time when I asked to have coffee, it was just like, I don't know if I really, I don't know if anything's going to come out of this. So let's not like waste each other's time. Mm -hmm. uh, let's get to know each other. And coffee can always turn into dinner, can always turn into something. But, but yeah, I, I would say if I knew that I liked you, Cornelia, we'd be going to dinner, we'd be doing an activity, one of the things that I loved. Thank you for uh, clarifying. And no problem. <laughs> <laughs> you have a girlfriend now. Can you give me a little story how you guys met? How did you know that she is the person you want to spend your time with? Yeah, I'll go back to an original question. Like for me, dating was an education. Like for me, I really, you know, again, I want to get married one day. I want to start a family and I, I want to be more sure than I would say most people are. And again, I learned by doing. Um, so I dated a lot. I, I, I dated a lot of different types of people. Um, I, what I, do you mean by that? Types of people? Age, uh, ethnicity, where they're from, what they do. Um, and just for context, how old you are right now? I'm 38 right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So basically, I would say from my mid-20s when I blossomed uh, <laughs> until, until, I, I, until my mid-30s when I met uh, Victoria, Vika, um, I kind of dated a bunch. I had a couple of relationships in the middle. But I dated a bunch to really understand what I like. Um, some would say I did it for sport. I, I personally don't think it's that. Would you be called um, a fuckboy? I'm sure by some. I'm mm -hmm. sure by some. You know, I think the difference is I was always pretty transparent with, with where I was at. You know, meaning, hey, like, I'm not looking for something serious. Or, hey, I actually think that we might have potential something here. So like, I love to explore this. So I was always pretty, um, I would say transparent with where I was at. Um, even if it was an exploratory stage, meaning like, Hey, like we met, I had a good time with you. Like, I'm not sure if this is like it, but I'd love to see if we have something more, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, but, but yeah, on the flip side, looking back, definitely some people saying that I'm call not, you a the, boy. not the best guy out there. <laughs> you mentioned that you Maybe you were dating somebody, but then you realize there's not much going on there. And you mm -hmm. were very transparent. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of questions from girls when they are like, okay, I'm dating this guy. He's saying that he doesn't want to do anything serious. He doesn't want anything serious. But like, I think that he does. He's just not ready. He's not willing to commit. What do you think about guys who are not willing to commit? Is that something that that girl can change? Or you think they're maybe not in that stage of their life? I'll speak to my personal experience and a sample size that I know, which is my friend circle and my extended friend circle in New York, which quite honestly, like I'm a very social person. So that sample size is much larger. It's than pretty large. And also New Yorkers it's like hundreds. <laughs> it's thousands of, of stories that have been shared yeah. over tears and, and, and alcohol and, and yeah. all that. I have this conversation all the time. You know, mm -hmm. I think for a guy, when you're ready, this is my personal experience, you know, and everything changes. Okay. For the women that think that they're going to change a guy, I think it's an extremely difficult uphill battle. Okay. It's a very difficult thing to hear, but I was that quintessential fuck boy. I was that person that like messed around a bunch, but at some point I just knew that Vika was one and like, it was like a light switch. It, it switched, but she wasn't trying to change me. It just kind of just happened. And, and guys, especially in like these cities like New York, Miami, LA, where you just have, you can, you can at any point meet anyone in, in 15 minutes. It's difficult. You're going to meet these guys that are like man children, 
And mm-hmm. I, and I know so many amazing female friends of mine that are just have this like these lofty goals that they're going to just change this guy that really has no onus to change to 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 be, be this vision of what they want in a guy which I just haven't haven't heard many times that it successfully happens. It's tough. It's very tough, but like I feel like so many people are like, "Oh yeah, you know, most of the time when I said, "Hey, I'm not looking for any serious, I probably just wanted to mess around." Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably it's probably the dude just saying that just to test the waters and say, "Hey, look, like am I going to be able to have this special relationship where I don't even have to do anything and maybe we can be physical, maybe we can just hang out for fun at my convenience." I've done I've done it in the past. You know what I mean? Years ago when I was dating, and so I I I think like you'll know when a guy is like there with you when you're in sync with them you know and and guys know and guys know Mm -hmm. when they're they're ready when they're confused it's a no it's it's just their way of telling you that they want to still sleep with you but not do anything extra as you just mentioned and what i want to mention when it comes to change just think about this how hard it is to change your own habits you want to wake up early you want to start going to the gym you want to do whatever xyz things how hard it is to change yourself and yeah, that is right. the only thing you have control over. But here you are Hard thinking you can change that other Hard guy. That I mean, what are you thinking? Yeah. If you think you're going to voodoo that guy, you're going to Tony Robbins him into <laughs> becoming your dream guy. I mean, it, it's, it's just very difficult. Better yet, like be in a position of power where, you know, you do your own thing. You know, mm-hmm. like focus on your goals, focus on what makes you happy outside of a relationship, focus on your career, focus on your friends, focus on self-development. If the guy is is meant for you and, you know, that's where you're going to get him, where he sees you shining like so bright and mm-hmm. he's like, whoa, I totally missed this. I fucked mm-hmm. up. And, and then at that point, it's up to you to decide whether or not you want to even entertain the person that didn't see you for the person that you are. You know, just just lead with a position of power. I think like you need to just believe in yourself, basically have the confidence that, you know, you got what it takes to have a healthy, beautiful relationship with someone that appreciates you and frankly deserves you. And I think oftentimes you're like, you're, you're hoping for something that just really isn't there because if the person was your person, he would see you. I was about to ask you before you just said all of this, I was about to ask if you have any advice for people who might be in a situation like that. But I think you just beautifully described what to do, because when you are so happy with who you are and when you have so much going on, you're not going to even waste your time entertaining like a fuckboy because you're just so busy. And I remember... That's when I was like posting those videos, people are like, well, how do you meet people? I'm like, I'm I'm so busy in my day-to-day life that you just meet people left and right. Okay, question for you. For people who are maybe, they don't really like apps, but they want to meet people in person and they're maybe a little shy. Do you have any advice, like what to do? Again, my audience is mostly female, so keep that in mind. Easy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Say, first of all, go to every birthday party you can ever go to because naturally you're going to meet people you don't know. And it's always easier to meet someone through uh, uh, one degree of separation, you know, rather than just at a bar or at Mm -hmm. whatever. 
Second thing is pick up hobbies. I mean, if, if it's something that you like and you get to meet someone that also shares the interest, you already have something to talk about. So I would say mm -hmm. that. And then just kind of like put yourself out there. I think, I think go to more things. I think again, when you yeah, go to more to things, <laughs> talk to people and go to more things. Like, yeah, I, I personally like it when someone comes up to me and I'm like, Hey, how you doing? I, I don't mm -hmm. think it's like a weird thing for a woman or anybody to come up to me and say, what's up? I think it's like, great. Like I love having conversations and getting to know people regardless of whether or not it's romantic. So just put yourself out there. I think like dating Dating apps should just be bonus. As a person that used dating apps so incessantly, mm -hmm. dating apps should always be bonus to everything else you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. It should be, I always say like when you're sitting on the toilet or when you are <laughs> in bed and you don't want to do anything, that's when you should be using. It should not be your, <laughs> your go-to thing to meet people, okay? Well, I read this article a long time ago that when you're using your phone on your toilet, that all these fumes are like coming out and that's not really <laughs> And you're making healthy. bad decisions, yeah. Yeah, you're making bad decisions because you're just <laughs> yeah. stuck there. <laughs> when you're poisoning yourself, yeah. <laughs> Question that is a big part of your recent life. You were yes. recently on a reality TV show that is currently on Netflix called Bling Empire. How did that happen? I was walking in the street and, and, a, and a bird pooped on my shirt and the bird poop was an invitation to reality TV. That's basically wow. It was probably a, metaphor. a pigeon bringing you it, like a letter. That's right. It was, I, oh, I, I'll preface this by saying like, I didn't seek being in media or TV. Like it wasn't in my life plan. Uh, I didn't really care about being famous. Um, I had at that point kind of found the career that I wanted, that I felt driven and purpose. It just wasn't my thing to be on TV. It's, it's something that you have to kind of like know that you want to do. How did it happen? I, I was actually at a, you know, transitioning from uh, my last job to the one that I'm at. You know, my last job had a sales component and I guess one of our clients just kind of sent me it. Somebody mm -hmm. asked him, hey, do you know anybody in New York that would be good for this program, which is kind of like Crazy Rich Asians, but in reality TV format. And they sent me it. Mm -hmm. Thing is, they didn't tell me. Um, I had no idea. And then I get a message saying, I'm so-and-so from so-and-so productions. We'd love to interview. And the first time I saw that, I, I thought it was spam. So I just mm -hmm. ignored it. You know, and I ignored it again and again. And then finally, out of curiosity, I Googled the production company. And I realized that they had produced, you know, Keeping Up with the Kardashians and A Simple Life with Paris Hilton. And I was like, why did they want to talk to me? So I got on a call with the production company and, you know, they're like, just tell me about you. Tell me about what makes you tech. Tell me about your life in New York. Tell me about much like we're having a conversation mm -hmm. now. I talked about my, my dating life. I talked about my family. I talked about my career and how I've been trying to like hone in on my drive and purpose, um, which I believe is to help people in areas that are true to me, specifically mental health. I think is something that's really important to what I do. They were telling me that, hey, look, like this is the format of the show. We have eight to 10 wealthy Asians that live caricature of lives, non-conventional mm -hmm. lives. And we want to create a show. This is the second iteration. The first one was in LA where we get to tell these stories. And it's, it's again, AAPI of representation, but we get to tell this fun story and it's ultimately just for fun. And what we're looking for, what we think you might be good for is the male lead as, you know, the everyday man, the man that's trying to make a name for himself. Um, that, that is the relatable one, the relatable one that, you know, you get to see the, the world of these, other eccentric people that live these special lives, that story kind of gets told through your lens. 
on top of that, they knew exactly what they seemed like and all the things that you want to achieve in life. Talk about mental health. You know, unfortunately, my mom was at the time like battling pancreatic cancer. She still is. She's like, you can bring awareness to it on a global scale. Um, you could do all the good that you want to do, but fast forward everything that you thought you could do like a thousand times because you'll be doing it to 160 plus countries. You'll be reaching millions of people in days. And I never thought about that. You know, mm -hmm. imagine achieving your goals on a, on a global scale, you know, and, mm -hmm. and quite frankly, I'd be lying to say if like, I didn't think that it would also maybe open some op new opportunities. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm trying to build a life with Vika and for Vika um, together. So I thought, hey, let's fuck life's interesting. Let's mm -hmm. let's see what this is all about. And she and was a part of the show as well, right? Yeah, yeah, and I'd love to tell you more about her, but yeah, she's Vika's, uh, she's, she was part of the show because they were like, also, we want you to be a bachelor, and I was like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes, <laughs> like, I have spent 30-something odd years, like, in the roller coaster of, of New York City dating, and I've now found the person that I feel really, like, in tune with and want to build a life with, like, if that's what you want, good luck to you guys, and I'm like, no, it's fine, but we want her too. Mm -hmm. um, so she got signed on. She is much, I would say, more introverted, um, not really like put yourself out there kind of person. So her role is always just going to be like um, supportive um, and more of a side character that uh, you know shows up shows up to some events, shows up when she wants to, and mm -hmm. and doesn't doesn't really have the pressure of really being like one of the leads on the show. How did that impact your relationship? Yeah, I mean. Uh, you know, before I did the show, I, that was the single thing that I was most afraid of, you know, being at the time, like 37, I believe, or 36 at the time when I did it, you know, I, I've gotten to the point where I'm pretty comfortable with who I am as a person and like people misread me or, or kind of like, don't read me for who I am. Like, who cares? Like, mm -hmm. I know who I am. I have all the friends I need in my life. How the hell do you know what kind of wrench being on a reality TV world on a global scale will You're do to your relationship. Ready. You just, you know, it's, you never ready. You never, you, you can't, you can't predict. You can't do your risk analysis and say, this mm -hmm. is going to do this. What if, you know, some woman from my, from one of those people that think I'm a fuckboy because we went on a coffee date and I wasn't, <laughs> you know, everything they had hoped I was. What if they have some special things to say, you know, and what yeah. if things are or taking Or what if they found context? one of them and then just slide them in the show and just try which, to steer up some drama? Which you have to kind of expect, right? That was the thing that I was worried about the most, right? And so uh, together we kind of put it on the scale and we said, all right, well, what is the risk and, mm -hmm. and what is the possible return on investment or, or what is the benefit on the flip, flip side? You know, and we collectively said, like, if we're going to do this, let's like really communicate. Let's 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 really like talk openly. Let's be really close and help each other through this experience, which luckily we did. Uh, we even considered doing like preemptive couples therapy just to like mm -hmm. fortify our relationship. Yeah. I think the good news is it was a very challenging experience. Uh, my mom was sick at the time. Filming is like just a logistical nightmare. And I was, I just started a new job that I really cared about and, and took a lot of my time. So like doing those during simultaneous, like three jobs, but we were like, we, we got closer, like through the struggle, you know, we got that. closer through all the shit of like, oh my God, that guy is going to be a jerk. That person's going to be a jerk. What the hell do we do? We got closer with like, this is not as easy as, it, as we thought. This is a struggle. And I honestly feel 
way closer. You know, on, on my side, it was definitely a learning experience. I, I, I clumsily bumbled my way through it. But for Vika, like she, she like grew so much. She, mm -hmm. she became way more confident. I think she became way more comfortable putting herself out there, you know, speaking up in a room of other people. And I just saw so much growth from her, which is so special to see. You know, we, we had two very different experiences, mm -hmm. I would say. First of all, how long was the recording? The, the, we filmed for about four months. Um, uh -huh. It was supposed to be three, but it, we just, we didn't get enough. And long story, it, it was four months. So it's, it's a while. Um, mm -hmm. Imagine four months where, you know, for anywhere from three to five days a week, you're filming on top of your job, you know, and it's on top of your like, daily life, like it's daily just, life. It's yeah. insane. Imagine you're, you know, it, it's not like filming is always at seven to 10 PM after your job, you get to go home and freshen up and, and, and do all these things. No, it's like smack in the middle of the day, mm -hmm. smack on weekends, right in the evening. So logistical time, it took four months. It's just nothing that you could ever prepare for, Cornelia. Mm -hmm. So our very well, for, first for any yeah. for any TV producers listening, I would love to be on a reality TV show. Just this girl <laughs> is made for it. So while I will clumsily bumble through it and continue to, she is made for this format. I'm so ready I to will shine. I will co-sign you for reality TV whenever the opportunity comes me up. With these people that I got just you, loop us in in an email or something. I will. I will. <laughs> So, so yeah, um, to give you an example of how surreal this experience yeah, I wanna, was. Yeah, I want to, I mean, I want to hear crazy stories. I don't know how much you can share or not. So it's give fine. Me the show one. is out. So I'll tell you the very first scene that we filmed. You know, we had 10 cast members, but me and Vika filmed the very first minute of filming. And at that point, we had neither of us had done anything in media or TV. And they go, don't worry. It's going to be a super easy scene. We're going to go to a spa. You and Vika are going to wear robes. You're going to, mm -hmm. you know, get facial, get a massage, and you guys just hang out. Just talk like you normally do. It's going to be super easy. I'm like, all right, that, that seems like it's not too bad. And don't worry, it's just going to be like four or five production crew. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to be a small thing because it's just our first scene. So don't worry. Like, all right, we show up the day of um, with no prep beyond what I just said. Mm -hmm. And it's not four or five people, it's 35 people bustling around, okay? It's not a spa where we're getting a, a facial and massage, it's literally just a pool. We show yeah. up and they basically say, all right, take off your robes, it's your anniversary, act natural, go. And what did you do? And you, you notice I was silent for a second and I'm silent because, because of music rights, Netflix or, or any production company, they can't even play music in the background so imagine being in a room with 35 people wait that don't what talk i didn't you. know that yeah so you know for any show they have to buy the music rights to whether it's scripted what? or unscripted i mean and so for sense. our show yeah. we didn't have the budget so like literally it's it's you're in a room with 35 people that can't talk to you we're in middle of covid by the way so they all have masks on so imagine oh like the boom mic guy all these cameramen production and they literally say they, they do the thing they go action go be and natural, act natural. And it's like, you can hear the water in the pool moving. You can hear like just that. Wow. And, and me and Vika, like, again, I'm a pretty comfortable person, but I'm like, so we had a great year, huh? And uh, <laughs> Vika's like, mm -hmm, thank you. So that, that is just like one story of so many of how that it was the just intro. a crazy, unexpected experience. You eventually get used to it. You, you start to not 
notice the cameras there.、Mm-hmm. The crew becomes kind of like your family because you're spending so much of like condensed time with them.、Mm-hmm. You get to more comfortable like with the medium and telling your stories. At, at the end of the day, it's still a surreal experience. It's something you could never prepare for, and I would say most people. They start to find their way over the course of the season. I I don't think. As What do you mean by that, that? What does that mean? You start to just get more comfortable and confident, not feel weird that you're literally like talking to a camera. You know、mm-hmm. that you're you're putting on a show. You know, at the end of the day, it's entertainment. You know, so you have、mm-hmm. to dramatize your real life. You, you know, you, knowing that your story is going to be distorted, that you know it's for entertainment, and、mm-hmm. you sign up for it. I think that with reality TV, it's always you're always at the mercy of the producers, and no matter what you do, no matter what you, the way you act, they're gonna create the story. I mean, I'm not speaking about your show specifically, but in general, I feel like you just have to trust them. And I remember when I first moved to Miami, when I was single, I was getting pitched by all these dating shows to be on a dating reality show, and I really wanted, to, as I said, I really wanted to be on a show, but I was like, I don't want to be. And then I spoke to somebody who was on a dating、uh, show, and she told me this exact thing that I was just sharing: that you don't control your own narrative, in that sense. So she just asked me, like, "Is this something you want for your career?" I mean,、yeah. me specifically for dating, and I had dating content, and it was just. Different. Thank God it didn't accept because it was like one of those like islands. But anybody else who wants to have me on another show, I'm happy to accept. <laughs> yeah, look, it's it's a mixed bag, right? It's it's、yeah. it's it's a super unique experience that I think had I not done it, I would have been like, what if? Yes. You no. Know? What if? Cornelia, you're gonna get many opportunities. So I'm confident <laughs> that the next time we speak, I'm like, hey, guess what? And and. I'm、Guess、gonna be on a、what? show. Exactly, it's it's coming.、Yeah. I, I feel it. Someone else who was a reality TV veteran told me. She said, "You have to understand that what you said is right because you want to tell your story. But what the producers want to do is they want to feed their families. And how do they feed their families by being good at their job? And how are they good at their job? Making the most entertaining program that they could possibly make. It's not a documentary. It's not. It's not a scripted program. It's 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 just." People that want to watch a program when they have, they've come back from their shit job, they're stressed as hell, and they want to、mm-hmm. sit in their underwear on TV and、uh, watch TV and just relax and escape.、Mm-hmm. That's the kind of programming you're making, right? And when you understand, wow, I love that. Yeah, and when you understand that the producers need to feed their families, and they do it by creating drama, stoking you know conflict, friction. Like friction is、mm-hmm. their craft. And they're freaking good at it. And when you understand that, and you know that going into it, you start to be like, okay. So I'll tell you my own personal experience. I know you haven't had the opportunity to watch all of the show.、Mm-hmm. I hope you do. I will know. I will binge it for sure. Yeah, I watched do, a few episodes. You're gonna be like, like, whoa, Richard got <laughs> burned, and and you know, I set out to be like. Celebrate my mom. Celebrate、uh, Vika. Like talk about pancreatic cancer and bring global awareness to it.、Um, talk about mental health. My own personal experience with with it and be vulnerable and and do as much good as I could. It didn't quite actualize like I wanted to be frank. Like again, I, the word I use is I was super clumsy with it, right? And when the show first came out, honestly, it was it was difficult. It was difficult to see the public. No other way to use it, but outcry, the the that people would watch reality TV and not with this lens of it being entertainment and that distorted perceptions of reality. They would take what they saw as reality and and me as what they saw on the screen, 
And so at first, even as a person that's relatively confident with who I'm at, that was not easy. That was not easy to like wake up to pretty mm -hmm. hate-filled messages of like, I can't believe you did that. You are horrible. By like, you mean by uh, trolls or by people that you know? Yeah, public, public. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, by trolls, by people that I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, oh, like I try to live a positive life, add value, do good things. I try to celebrate the people around me um, and support people around me. And it just didn't, and, and frankly, it didn't come across. Like when I watch it, like, and mm -hmm. I'm not being myself, I'm like, ooh, that guy's not so likable, you know? Yeah. And, and then a couple of weeks pass and I realized, what does it matter? Mm -hmm. I'm still doing the job that I love. I'm in a relationship where we're better than ever. My friends, I didn't, my, my perception with my friends and loved ones hasn't changed. Um, and everyone that has I've met in person has been incredibly nice. And, you know, there's always going to be, I'm sure you experienced this. Oh, I, I wake up with oh, trolls. Wow. I go to bed. I mean, I don't go to bed with trolls, but I go to bed with my beautiful boyfriend. But I, that's I, right. That's the right. first time when I, when I had that coffee walk, they had video blow up. I never experienced that amount of hate. And even till this day, there's like people making YouTube videos about me. I'm actually against me and like talking. And I'm like, I guess you need to talk about me because nobody else listens when you talk about yourself. Yeah. And that's, that's what it is. You know, a lot of times, I don't know what I've heard is, look, they're just projecting something of yeah. their, in their lives on you. And so don't take it hard again. Like you got to do yeah. your mental accounting, right? Even with whether it's reality or even your own dating or that your viewers dating, like do your mental accounting. You're healthy. You're young. You, you, you got all the things you got your whole life ahead of you. Who the hell cares? What other mm -hmm. people think? Not even just reality anything where you're just putting yourself out there, even at an office, corporate office, if you're like s sharing your ideas, if you want to be noticed, if you want to stand out somehow, people are going to talk shit because they don't have the courage to do what you're doing, yeah. which is, I want to transfer to the mental health conversation mm. because I feel like I'm very happy that it's finally a talked about topic nowadays. It wasn't before. So tell me, why did you decide to work in this space? I personally felt super inspired by um, the doctors at the practice that I work for, right? Um, you know, my personal story is I come from a pretty traditional Asian background. While I grew up in New York City, um, you know, at least in the Asian community, my, my mom and my, my mom and dad are Taiwanese. I grew up with my mom. We just don't really, we're not really taught to talk about our feelings. We're not taught to, taught to be comfortable with struggle. You kind of have this cultural mentality. It's like an immigrant mentality. So it's not isolated to Asians where you just mm -hmm. put your head down, you power through it, don't whine and just move on. Right. Mm -hmm. As a person in my like approaching my forties, like it's just not a healthy practice, right? You just, you don't learn to deal with your emotions. You don't know to mm -hmm. ask for help. And that was very much my story. You know, in my career, I, you know, worked the corporate world. I worked in finance and I worked in fashion and I just kind of like did the traditional path and I moved up. When I, in my early thirties, I set out to do, open my own business and, and it did not go like planned. And when it didn't go like planned, I was spending all my money and I was so lost. Like I just kind of like internalized, I internalized and I, and I didn't ask for help. I didn't know how. And that's when I started to deal with depression, like, and not the depression where I can't get out of bed. Just like the type of depression where I know all the things I need to do. Everyone give me advice. I'll be like, that makes perfect sense. And I just couldn't do it. You know, depression in the form of procrastination, depression in the form of masking uh, my discontent with my life with distractions like dating, 
mm-hmm. like going to have fun, like doing mm-hmm. partying or whatever it was. And this was years. This was years. How long of it me took? Being, how long that took for you? Man, I, I would say like probably two, two and a half years of just like being completely lost. Like, and that was not, all because your business didn't go as planned. Yeah, right? and I was like, well, fuck. What do I do now? You mm-hmm. know, I don't even know where to start. And then, and then you lose your confidence. And then it just kind of like is the cycle. And then you, and then you try to distract yourself with other things. For some people, it's drinking, partying, it's dating, it's whatever vice it is. I had my own. And, and then eventually like all those strong female friends of mine that I spoke about earlier in my life, I'm like, dude, get off your ass, go to therapy, like talk to someone, like, mm-hmm. understand what you're going through, you know, figure it out yourself. And so for the first person in my whole family, like I went to therapy mm-hmm. and it was like a super unnatural experience initially to like, how long it took you to open up with your therapist? I would say months, you know, like months to be like, oh God, this is like, this sucks. Like, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time and my money. But then, you know, it's, you know, it's funny. Yeah. I started to get you off. But when I, I started therapy a while ago when I was going through like a relationship that wasn't really working. And I, I don't know what was, what is in me, but I was like, I'll tell you everything right now because I <laughs> did. And my therapist told me like, you're one of the best patients I ever had because you were just telling me everything and you were taking my advice immediately. And I feel like, and this is why I'm asking you this. Because for me, it was like, why would I waste my time and my money paying somebody and just like lead them on and like not share this? So for somebody, that's the immigrant mentality too. You're trying to get value. Yeah, (laughs) it's like I don't know money on this. Yeah, yeah. See, (laughs) yeah. So for somebody who is maybe going through therapy and they're feeling like they're not opening up. Is there something you can, any type of advice you can give them? That person is there. It's a professional and I hope you have a good one. And finding the right one for you is, is not always easy, right? But if you find the right one, that's a professional there to guide you. Like, and if you aren't willing to do the work, they're not solving your problems. Your therapist is not your personal life coach. That is Mm -hmm. not what a therapist does. A therapist helps you navigate to find, to find, to, to realize your own epiphanies, to, to find commonalities to find your triggers to find out things that make you tick and also cause you the greatest hurt in your life and then helps you navigate things that you should already know about yourself you just your depression anxiety whatever you're dealing with your your habits cause your head to be like a a storm cloud where it's just like everything's foggy they help Mm -hmm. you organize and compartmentalize your life so that you can just live and make decisions and also like react to things more efficiently and that's another question what if somebody is struggling and they maybe they don't have money for therapy or maybe they don't, they don't want to do it? You know, that's that's a problem. I think there are a lot of options out there. There there are pro bono therapists. You know, when I was when I was on free government insurance, when when um, when my business went going, I was like on an unemployment. I was able to find mm-hmm. therapy for free. So you just mm-hmm. got to do your research. There are self-help groups. There are like... Uh, but if somebody doesn't want, somebody is still kind of living in denial and they don't mm-hmm. think they need therapy because therapy is, you know, for those people who are about to kill themselves. Yeah. I think that everybody should have... I think therapy is the best thing that exists. And how fun it is that you're... Somebody just has to listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> that person is supposed to listen to you judge-free. You can say yeah. whatever the hell you want. Yeah. They, you got them for 50 or 60 minutes. And, yeah. you know, everyone, I agree. I think everyone could do some self-work. And again, it's just they set you on a path to do the self-work that most people don't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
there's a small percentage of people that look inward, they journal, they like really are very process their lives. The vast majority of people, you're in this rat race, you don't look back, you don't look inward, and then you, you create all these, this scar tissue that just kind of fucks you up for the rest of your life, you know? To and you clear- kind of feel like you're living life that it's not under your control. I feel like these people who are just like scrambling like that, they're like, things happen to them. They don't decide. And not decide, that's the wrong word. They don't control what happens to them. And obviously life is not in our control, but you can control certain things. Like if you don't like a job, if you don't like, you know, yeah. your friends, if you don't like your boyfriend, like you just have to make a change. I, I love that. I love I love what you said. And that's something that was a major realization for me that came out of therapy. And I try to like, it's hard to snap yourself out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's like a truth that everyone knows makes sense. Like, hey, control what you can, focus on what you control. But like, it's it's something that I try to as a relatively frequent practice to say, dude, like, wake up. What are you gonna do? For instance, my mom's my best friend, and she is fighting pancreatic cancer, and it's it's so deadly. It's so hard on obviously her, on her whole family. For me, it's it's uprooted our whole lives. And I could sit back and be crazy depressed and feel all the emotions, which I do, and you should, by the way, but I could let it disrupt the rest of my life, right? Mm -hmm. And just wallow in my sorrows and stay in bed and cry, or I can choose to control what I can. So using that as an example, I can focus on giving, using the education my mother provided for me and allowing her to have the most information so she could make the best choices for her and our family possible. I could take the time that we have left and spend it making memories, doing the things Mm -hmm. that she wants to do, smile, reminisce, love, hug, or I could be sad and let her be sad. Mm -hmm. I can make her laugh and act silly and tell her she's beautiful. You know, like those are the things. It's, It's one example, same thing with work. People hate their jobs. Okay, do something about it. You can't control if you're a shit boss or if someone lays you off, but you can control what you do after that. Focus on what you can control. It's like it's it's like the greatest mantra that you can apply to everything. If a dude in dating world like doesn't see you for who you are, what the heck are you gonna do? Move on. Move on. Mm-hmm. There's eight billion people on the planet. Feel what you gotta feel, <laughs> cry the tear in your pillow, and then pick yourself up and go to your friend's birthday and meet the next guy that's gonna I be ten times that. more wonderful. Okay. I love this go to a birthday. I love, love, love that. I will literally tell this to every single girl Please. who asks me where can she meet a man. Please. Richard, this was wonderful. And I feel like I got to know you even better through this conversation. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's my first podcast, so I'm excited to share it with an old friend. Uh, I love that. Please share. Where can everybody find you? You can find me on at Instagram uh, at chairman underscore Chang. Uh, And again, I was on Bling Empire New York. And if you're ever curious about what I do, you can go to HudsonMinds.com or HudsonMedical.com. Um, but yeah, if you see me in New York, I'm the six foot four Asian guy, usually <laughs> smiling with headphones on. Just just tap me and say hello. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Take care, guys. Bye.